Part One, Chapter Three of Garcia Moreno, My Reverend Father Augustine Birth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. His Life as a Lawyer, eighteen forty to eighteen forty five. Don Gabriel was now twenty years of age and had to choose a career. Though no less pious than before, his best friend strongly advised him to abandon the idea of the ecclesiastical state declaring that he could serve God and the Church more effectively outside, and that he had been created, according to the expression of the Emperor Constantine, not to be a priest, but, sword in hand, to be the escort of that priest, and to be, in fact, a bishop in the world. Garcia Moreno had no idea of the mission to which he was destined, but he determined to study law, both as necessary to his advancement in public life, and as a means of satisfying his passion for justice. Unfortunately, to study law in these days is often fatal to all notions of truth and faith. The Declaration of the Rights of Man has set aside the rights of God and of the Church, and even the fundamental principles of society, in order to concentrate all power in the State. Gabriel soon understood the contradictory rights he would have to reconcile, but for the moment accepted the official texts without confronting them with the laws of eternal justice. That which characterized this period of his life was the progressive development of that moral energy of which he had already given such striking proofs. He felt that to become an impartial judge he must be a Bayard, without fear, and without reproach, determined to brave all opposition, to arrive at the triumph of the truth. He labored to be that iron man, of whom Horace speaks, who would not yield, even were the world to be overthrown. Don Gabriel was at that time a most distinguished-looking young man. He was tall with regular features and a most expressive face. Until now his passion for science had made him avoid society, but now he sought it. At Quito and Guayaquil there were no cafés or theatres, but there were charming evenings in private houses, where the hours flew by in amusing conversation, and Gabriel, being invited and received everywhere with open arms, soon forgot his shyness and entered thoroughly into the gay life around him. After a few months, however, he reproached himself for thus wasting his time, and accordingly resolved, with his usual energy, to adopt an heroic means of curing himself. He had himself shaved like a monk, and then shut himself up for six weeks, without giving a sign of life to any human being. Nothing could have been devised more effectual for breaking through a bad habit, and whatever it may have cost him, he learned in that way to conquer himself. He was determined also to acquire an amount of physical courage which nothing should be able to shake, even in the near presence of death. One day that he was out walking, and deeply engrossed in a book he was studying, he found himself suddenly in a cavern, over which hung, as it were by a thread, a huge block of marble, the least vibration of which would have caused it to fall and crush him to atoms. His first impulse was the natural one, to start back out of the danger. But then, ashamed of his fears, he went back and deliberately sat under the quivering rock for an hour, and for several successive days he returned to the same spot, so as to subject his natural instincts to his will. Another expedition which he undertook with Dr. Weiss in 1845 to explore the interior of the great volcano of Pichincha nearly cost him his life. Arrived at the mouth of the crater, they found two orifices, one to the east and one to the west, into the former of which they descended with their instruments. An earthquake supervened, which made them so giddy that they could not keep their feet. Yet they remained for several days in this horrible place, until their scientific observations were completed, in spite of the darkness, the noise, and the terrible fumes of sulphur and gas, which threatened many times to asphyxiate them both. 
They scrambled out of this crater with the utmost difficulty, owing to a thick fog and pouring rain, culminating in a terrific thunderstorm, during which huge boulders of rock became displaced, and fell within a few inches of their heads. Towards five o'clock in the evening, soaked to the skin and covered with bruises, they at last reached the western crater, but they were obliged to remain another night there, their frozen limbs refusing to carry them further. Garcia Moreno, however, strove still to scramble up a steep incline, but his foot slipped, and he fell, or rather slid down to a distance of fourteen or fifteen yards, when a projecting rock providentially stopped his further descent. Still he persevered, and after incredible fatigues arrived at the summit of the volcano. Footnote. An account of this wonderful exploration was communicated to the Academy of Sciences on July 6, 1846, and was signed Sebastian Weiss and Garcia Moreno. End footnote. In spite of these scientific pursuits, Garcia Moreno did not neglect his law studies, and at twenty-three years of age he had obtained the rank of doctor, and was called to the bar under the direction of an eminent lawyer, Joaquin Henriquez. His estimate of his people may be judged by the following extract from his certificate. He is not content with elucidating a thesis, or showing the reasons for that which he has undertaken to prove, but his rare judgment prompts him to point out all the reforms which should be introduced into our code, to ameliorate our methods of procedure, and arrive at more perfect equity in our sentences. His great application and earnest study of jurisprudence, his exquisite tact and clear perception of what is just and right, make him a distinguished master in his profession, and one to whom one can confide without fear the care of defending the property, the honor, and the life of our citizens. Besides that, every one knows that Garcia Moreno possesses extraordinary literary and scientific knowledge, and especially those rare virtues of which the Republic is so greatly in need. The public good and the progress and glory of Ecuador are the idols of this noble heart, and to these great objects he already consecrates his labors and his life. Garcia Moreno did not practice long at the bar, public affairs soon engrossing his attention, but he never refused to plead the cause of the poor, for charity was one of his favorite virtues. His pleading was remarkable for his clearness and brevity. He never would undertake a bad or suspicious case. On one occasion, the presiding judge, having asked him to undertake the defense of a notorious assassin, he refused point-blank, with the exclamation, It would be easier for me to become a murderer than to defend one. He behaved in the same way to a Spaniard in high position, who, knowing his great talent, wanted him to take charge of a doubtful and delicate case. Don Gabriel read the brief, and then returned it to him, in spite of the entreaties and large pecuniary offers of his client, who lost his cause, and exclaimed wrathfully to Garcia Moreno, If I have not won, it's your fault. You have lost, because your cause was a bad one, quietly replied the young lawyer. Never mind, retorted the Spaniard. You would have made it good if you would only have consented to defend it. On one occasion, however, his prudence was at fault. An unworthy priest had insinuated himself into his intimacy, whom the Archbishop of Quito had suspended. Instead of submitting, the priest availed himself of the existing laws to appeal against the Archbishop's sentence and Garcia Moreno, fancying he was the victim of injustice and calumny, warmly defended his cause. It was not until he had received undeniable proofs of the unworthiness of his client that he desisted from his efforts on his behalf. Providence allowed him to make this mistake in order to open his eyes as to iniquitous laws then enforced against the authority of the Church, 
whereby the highest ecclesiastical personage might be dragged before a civil court to give account for an act resting solely on his spiritual authority. He always deplored this event in his life and attributed it to the anti-Christian liberalism with which his official position had inoculated him. Before we come to his political career, we must say a few words on an event that had great influence on his future life. One evening, early in the year 1846, he was crossing the mountains of Guayaquil with one of his most intimate friends, and when night came they stopped at what is called a tambo, a kind of hut where travelers are received in those countries. His friend was fast asleep when, all of a sudden, Don Gabriel woke him up with a start and said to him very seriously, do you know that for the last few hours I am engaged to be married? His companion burst out laughing and asked him if he were dreaming. No, replied Don Gabriel, I am telling you the simple truth. Before leaving the town I settled it all, and two hours ago the contract was signed. He had, in fact, concluded this affair like all the other important events in his life, without letting anyone suspect his intentions, even his best friend. He married Donna Rosa Ascasubi, a girl of noble birth, whose ancestors had fought in the struggle for independence. Her two brothers, Manuel and Roberto, shared El Garcia Marino's tastes and feelings. They loved him especially for his ardent patriotism, and looked upon him justly as a man of action who had become the head of a great party. Donna Rosa brought him not only a large fortune, but also the noblest character. She was a woman full of talent, sweetness, and dignity, and of a nature in entire conformity with the ideas and character of her husband. Never was there a happier union, although the storms of public life too often troubled their home joys. In fact, Garcia Moreno's history will henceforth be mingled with that of his country. When asked one day by an intimate friend to write a history of Ecuador, he replied, smiling, It would be better to make one. To understand, however, what induced him to come forward, we will give a rapid sketch of the state of Ecuador from 1830 to 1845, that is, from its constitution as an independent state, to the first political revolution in which Garcia Moreno took part. End of Volume 3, Chapter 3